What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 140 of the Stand Up Guys podcast. I'm your host, the incomparable Zach Jones, joined as always by the Ninth Wonder, Chocolate Thunder, taking Dumpkins and getting Blumkins. Step aside the Batman and make way for the Scatman. Nothing makes him moan like a rusty trombone. The phenomenal AJ Singh. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> It's your favorite intro. <laughs> um, man, uh, let's get it right into the show, man. What have you been watching this week? Uh, I, I watched this uh, breakdown of this uh, Christian movie called The Reconciler. <laughs> the Reconciler. The Reconciler. I like the name right away. And uh, it's it's a total ripoff of Saw. And it's it's such a weird movie. Like Wait, wait. It's a religious movie and it's like Saw? Yeah. Oh, I kind of want to see this. <laughs> yeah, this is weird. Uh, the, <laughs> it starts out with the same like twist where like the guy who's like the Reconciler or in you know jigsaw like like uh they're in the middle of this floor in this like dirty looking room and there's like two guys chained up oh so they're like not even like trying to like this is like a definite parody yeah well actually the the, one of the two guys is the guy the reconciler sorry they didn't didn't have enough cast for a a third person (laughs) okay but uh yeah he's the reconciler but he pretends that he's just some guy who's like abducted and he doesn't know what's going on and uh there's there's several other people who are in the same scenario where they're like waking up and they're like with somebody else but the thing is like they all know each other like so all the people who are like uh, abducted like they're in pairs and the the pairs like they pretty much know each other except for the one pair where the reconciler is like part of the group but he's like talking to this guy and trying to help him like i don't know figure something out and uh what he does is like essentially like he he blocks these people together he has this is one cop and uh his partner that they're locked in a car and like you know they would be in a car anyway they're partners like i don't understand why he has to go out of his way to like lock them in together you know but he reckon he basically locks all these people in rooms together until they reconcile their issues and like then they become friends again <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't like uh <laughs> nobody gets like tortured nobody killed. gets tor- none of that no it's just hey i abducted you people so you guys could be friends <laughs> the the cop one was so stupid because it was like this is affecting your police work your you guys got to work together but <laughs> it was just so stupid god works in mysterious ways and he stockholm syndrome does into being friends again yeah it was just i mean the cop one really didn't make sense to me because like you would think partners would be in a car for several hours in a day anyway like he didn't have to go out of his way to put them in that scenario (laughs) (laughs) but he did i don't know just yeah and then at the end of the movie everybody becomes buddy buddy it was just the same these can't be the same christian people that i see (laughs) (laughs) that yeah that is a bizarre like concept you know i do kind of like the concept of doing like a saw movie where like you know there's a bunch of people that wake up in the room but like it'd be cool if like we knew one of them was the bad guy and you had to like through the course of the movie try to like guess who it is you know right so you you almost get that scream element but like there's a bunch of people and like somebody's on the inside track you know that that could be like an interesting premise. yeah that that's kind of like the first movie except he wasn't really like very active or anything but yeah, yeah. he was just like pretend he was the dead guy yeah. in the middle of the yeah. floor or whatever 
Um, I think that's maybe the only one of those Saw movies I've ever seen was the first. Yeah, it's the best one. <laughs> it's not like those kind of like torture porn movies like aren't the best. Yeah. I don't know who gets into those movies. Like uh, as a human being, you, you, you relate to the pain that the people are going through. Like, doesn't that just make you feel worse in some way? Yeah. I remember like, uh, when me and Lester were in college, like there was a, uh, a theater like on campus and they would show they would well the thing is that they would show movies for cheap but they would be movies that just like just made it to dvd at the time so it wouldn't be like you know movies that were like in in theaters but like you know if you wanted to watch a movie for cheap you know and we would do that sometimes for some reason i want to say we we went and saw that movie hostel Mm -hmm. and that's the same thing where it's just like people getting tortured and i was kind of like why did we watch this yeah why did they even make that separate franchise the same thing as saw like it's just a little bit different yeah it's a little different (laughs) but same kind of stuff yeah Yeah. those kind of movies aren't really uh, for me yeah i don't get who's into that stuff like you got to be like a sick twisted person to be into that torture porn i don't get it (laughs) doesn't make sense to me but you know me and you were like talking a little bit like before we started about these religious movies like there's a ton of them and like i was telling you like sometimes like we'll be walking to the theater and i'll see a movie poster for like one of these that i never heard of like and it happens a lot and i'm just like how many of these things are getting made and yeah. like i mean i'm i i assume they just show them in kind of a limited capacity but like still they like they must be making enough money to continue making them yeah they're gonna make their own jesus cinematic universe where it's just like a whole connected fabric of just stories the whole bible (laughs) universe will be like (laughs) we should do that like there's like a there's like yeah there's like a moses movie and like a jesus movie and like a noah's movie and somehow at the end like they all come together to fight satan (laughs) yeah we should do that holy cow i guess christian we have to pretend to be christian and everything (laughs) yeah the lord spoke to me one day (laughs) on a podcast (laughs) man you know there's got to be like i bet if we looked into it like um we'd find that there's some sort of studio that just pumps those movies out like one after oh, another yeah. after another there, makes them on the cheap you there's know? a subscription service called uh passion flicks i think that where, sounds like a porn that thing. sounds like <laughs> porn yeah but uh oh no, no it's pure flicks i'm passion flicks is a porn one i think <laughs> <laughs> very sensual movies for women who likes 50 shades of gray but uh yeah pure flicks that's the uh christian religion. that sounds more like it yeah it's got some terrible low quality shows on there. I've seen the breakdowns of them. They're they're rough, man. And like the plot is just so thin. <laughs> I know like uh there's <laughs> they made like some sort of almost like a Hallmark channel, those type of movies, you know, but specifically for Christians. Like I think I think uh Kurt Cameron's like sister has something to do with it, but their whole thing is like basically it's like hallmark movies but no gay business and probably like not a lot of interracial business you know yeah pure pure flicks is owned by talia musk's like elon musk's sister oh wow really yeah so she's like she she owns it and is he even christian not that i know of i mean he i've never heard him talk about religion i didn't even know he had a sister let alone like a super religious sister yeah 
Maybe she's not religious. Maybe she just owns Fear of Wings. <laughs> you know what's weird, too, is, like, i never seen it, but apparently, like, his mom, like, did a, a Sports Illustrated cover. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know his dad married his sister? <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, his his stepdaughter or something, whatever it was, like, he married her uh, when she grew up. <laughs> you can see that on Passion Flicks. That's nuts, man. <laughs> That family is wild. Oh. Well, and then I like I I I've never like done the deep dive on like Elon Musk history, but like I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he got all this money from his dad's emerald mine. Yeah, mine. And then like I seen on Twitter the other day, he was like saying like, um, I'll pay such and such a money if someone can prove that that mine existed or something. <laughs> Did somebody prove it. <laughs> and then like. Well, apparently, like, then there was a, like, his dad was saying, like, he could prove <laughs> it or something. Yeah, I don't know. It I heard was, something like that. It was that, something yeah. weird like that. I'm like, what is going on with this family? <laughs> I don't know. I liked... <laughs> Elon Musk, like, I assume he is a smart guy. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, like, if he would have just, like, kept his mouth shut, like, I, I feel like people would have such a different um, opinion of him. Yeah, I don't know how smart he is. I mean, like, the more you talk, the more people realize what, you know, you're all about. And the more he's talked recently, the more he's given away that he doesn't know much about, like, a lot of these different sciences that he pretends to know about. Like, he might know programming and stuff. I'm not sure if he even knows that. Because, like, I, I, I saw somebody online talk about it. They were like, you know, when he talks about all this other stuff, I thought he was smart. But then I know this certain topic, and he's talked about this, and he doesn't know what he's talking about when he's talking about this, you know? So it makes it seem like maybe he doesn't really know what he's talking about. <sighs> yeah. It's confusing. Like, Well, like, the first time I saw him, it, he was, like, on some sort of, like, documentary about global warming and he just seemed he seemed on on just that limited exposure like maybe this semi-liberal dude that was like trying to like better the world you know mm. but then like you hear him talking and he, he seems nowadays he seems like maybe more right wing yeah. more maybe even like more anti-worker you know in a way yeah. and stuff like that and it's like that's kind of weird man speaking of that you know what's weird is i um Several states now have basically, like, laxed their laws on, like, child labor. Yeah. Which I find bizarre. Idaho did that recently, I think. Yeah, and uh, I, Iowa as well. Iowa, okay. Well, I think there's been several of them. Okay. But, I, I mean, I think it's mostly, like, you know, like, the restaurant lobby and stuff. Like, just they just want cheap labor, basically. Yeah. Uh, but it seems so weird. Like, some of them are like, oh, yeah, 14-year-olds can can work and and like uh the, even some of them like you know lowered the uh age to where like i don't think where like kids can like uh interact i don't know if they're we'd be serving alcohol or just like moving it but like they can have contact with alcohol. Uh, obviously not drink it but they're gonna drink it <laughs> yeah, that's a, <laughs> probably probably i mean that's just it's shocking to me it's Look, it seems hypocritical to me because, like, the same – you hear Republicans – from when I was growing up, they would always – it seems like they were the party that would be like, oh, protect the children, protect the children from the gays and from these people and from that. And and here they are, like, the same children. They're like, okay, now put them to work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there's other things, too, they've been doing with the kids. Like, and there's been, like, several Republicans caught doing inappropriate things with kids. And Dennis Haster, he was, like, the Republican leader for oh, so right. long. It seems like projection, like, 
all this stuff they're like oh protect the kids protect the kids but they're the biggest threat to these kids man (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's i I mean i'm sure a lot of those people like convince themselves oh this is good for little johnny to learn responsibility and you can what a hard hard day's work is worth and all this kind of stuff but it's like no really it's like the restaurant lobby you know wanting cheap labor yeah you don't want you're going to have Johnny kids. dying at 20 from coal mines or something. <laughs> and you know they're going to send those kids into coal mines, oh, too. Oh, probably 100%. I'm yeah. sure they will. Actually, one of the... Because I watched, like, a Kyle Kalinske video on it. And, like, one of the thing states was, like, um, allowing, like, young kids to work in factories. <laughs> yeah, like meat plants. Uh, like, cleaning off, like, sharp machinery, heavy, like, industrial machinery, like, for cutting up animals and meat. That's insane, man. That's such a hazard. Like it, we're putting not them just in dangerous positions too. These aren't just like safe jobs for kids. Not I don't know if there is one, but yeah, it's it, it seems like we're going from zero to ten real fast. Man, when I was a kid, I mean, I, I to be fair, I was kind of a lazy kid. But like when I was like in middle school or even like you know high school, like having a job was the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah. I was like, I felt like it was enough just to keep up with high school and homework exactly. and all your regular stuff. School was your job. I, you that's know? what it felt like, yeah. Yeah. And so just, uh, yeah. but you know, also I think there'll be a lot of like scummy parents that are like, will put their kids to work just to be like, you know, poor families and stuff. Yeah. Be like, get make, go out and make us some money. Yeah. yeah. You know? I don't know. I don't see it. And also, like, um, is the workforce, like, not being filled by adults? That's what it seems like. It seems like there's not enough workers or something. I don't know. I don't know if these patterns all add up or not. But, I mean, like, they're trying to, like, get the population higher, it seems, with these abortion laws. And, you know, they're trying to get rid of, like, a lot of these same-sex couples and stuff. Like, it seems like they're trying to raise the population and get these workers, you know? (laughs) <laughs> just get more workforce yeah get more workforce but at the same time eventually automation is going to cut the amount of jobs we have down considerably yeah i don't know what they're planning on doing with these people <laughs> what are they going to do they're not they're not going to give out free paychecks to people because they hate that <laughs> well you know i do i do wonder about the future because like i think it is inevitable that eventually a you know ai will get to where it can do a lot of jobs like mine you yeah. know and then probably it'll take maybe a little longer, but eventually automation will then be able to take care of a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, service industry jobs and, and and things like that. So I do eventually see a future where, you know, people don't have to work as much. But then, like, what happens to a capitalist society when that happens, you know? Right. It, the people that are on the top are still going to want to have that power yeah. and, like... It's going to be interesting, to say yeah, the least. Yeah. I think we're we're on the precipice of seeing what happens with that. I mean, uh, that universal basic income thing, I almost think eventually we're going to have to do something like that. Like It seems like you'd have to, but it's just, it goes against everything this country has ever been for. Like, I don't know, it, it seems like everybody here like is against that. Or at least everybody who has the power to make that happen. Yeah, they'll be against it until they can see it's too late and, like, their job that they thought would never go away goes away. Yeah, that's true. But 
it's sometimes hard to make people think about things in terms of long distance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, getting off politics, did you watch anything else to note? Uh, just just the Christian stuff. Uh, <laughs> That's think of- what made you go down that link? Because like me and you like aren't religious at all. But did you just oh, like? I always think religious stuff is hilarious. Like it I, is wacky. I grew up watching Indian movies, and there's always like this huge like you know oh images of gods and you know like their just their their influence in these movies is so so massive <laughs> and not just that but like you know growing up and seeing like christian cartoons like on tv and stuff all that stuff's always been kind of like i've always found it funny right, right. <laughs> religion and uh you know christian rap like that's something that i always found <laughs> right. funny and stuff so like this this goes in line with that stuff like you know ridiculous christian movies like it's silly you know it's just something to laugh at but i'm not laughing at christians and <laughs> they're fine <laughs> just their their products <laughs> i had an uber driver the other day that was listening to christian music and i was like is this guy trying to convert me <laughs> um i watched a handful of things um so i had uh peak the peacock uh network for a little while longer so i, I kind of was looking through their movie section and they had one of these movies that was nominated for a bunch of oscars called tar have you heard of this movie i think yeah i've heard of it so it's uh uh, it's a Kate Blanchett movie. Her character's name is Lydia Tarr. And like, uh, this movie was, was weird. I found it a little bit frustrating because like, uh, from a technical perspective, like it's well-made and like, she's a great actress, like Kate, Kate Blanchett. I don't know if she's ever like turned in a performance that wasn't good. Mm. So you, it's enjoyable on that level. But the thing is, I, I'm not sure this movie knew what it wanted to be because like, on one hand, it's kind of like, a uh, commentary on like cancel culture and wokeism. So basically, like the premise is like she's this world-renowned like uh, orchestra conductor. But like as the movie goes along, like uh, you learn that like uh, she's a lesbian and like she's been basically uh, giving uh, uh, people in uh, like preferential treatment for sexual favors, basically, mm-hmm. you know. And also, like, we find out that she completely destroyed this one girl's life. Uh, uh, we don't get the details on it, but I'm assuming, like, she wouldn't do what she wanted her to do. Yeah. You know, so she just, like, destroyed her career. And so you get that aspect of it, which is kind of interesting. And then there's also, like, a little bit of, like, commentary on, like, wokeism. Like, there's an early scene where she, like, teaches this class. And, like, one of her students is, like, um, very dismissive of this, like, uh, certain conductor because it was like, oh, he's just like a, this old white guy. And I, you know, and she kind of like, um, uh, you know, <laughs> makes this kid like walk out of the class basically after like, kind of like tells him off about being so dismissive, you know? And so like, there's interesting like scenes like that in the movie. But then the thing that like kind of bugged me was at one point in the movie, well, a couple points in the movie, she kind of starts seeing these like strange things, mm. and I think we're st- like supposed to uh, be. I, I think it's supposed to be kind of vague as to whether like she like her guilt and stuff is making her see these things, or if possibly there's other people in the story like messing with her. And but the thing is, is eventually it just kind of drops that whole storyline, <laughs> and it never answers the question. So it's like, so I was kind of like. 
why introduce that if you're not going to do anything with it, kind of? Right. I, I don't know. So uh, this movie, it, it felt a little all over the place to me. So I, I don't know. I would maybe give it a 6 out of 10 just for, like, Kate Blanchett's performance and, like, okay. some of the, the dialogue. But, like, that part of it bo- bothered me and I found it frustrating just because I'm like, why introduce this if you're not going to do anything satisfying yeah. with it? You know, Give us some, some sort of closure. Yeah, because at one point I was like, oh, this movie is, like, turning into a thriller that I didn't expect it to be. But then I'm like, oh, it really isn't. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, that seemed like a waste of time. I don't okay. know. <laughs> I don't know. If anybody out there has seen Tar, maybe I just misinterpreted that part of the movie. So please comment and let me know. Um, let's see. What else did I watch? Um, oh, season three of Star Trek Picard finished. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, I'm not a Trekkie by any means. I've gotten into Star Trek a little more in, in recent years. But I actually did find this season, like, uh, very good. Um, I know just from like things I've seen online, like a lot of people that are Trekkies like really hated seasons one and two. Oh, yeah. And to me, like I don't have enough knowledge of Star Trek to be like a f- really offended by the things they did. But there were a couple things where I'm like, oh, that's a little weird, you know, yeah. <laughs> just from like an outsider's perspective. But this one, um, and I never wa- really growing up watched Star Trek The Next Generation. I've been watching it a little more in recent years. Um, but they basically, this storyline brought back that whole cast from the next generation. Mm-hmm. And I thought they all did really well. Um, okay. And the story uh, was compelling. I, uh, it's a 10 episode season. I, I thought it was uh, really well done. I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, oh, uh, uh, the final season of Better Call Saul, uh, they finally added it to Netflix. So I'm watching uh, that now. It, it originally aired on AMC and AMC plus or whatever last year, but I'm like, I didn't want to subscribe to AMC because right. <laughs> it just, I don't know. It's uh, There's too many streaming services. So I was like, yeah, I'll just wait for it to come on Netflix. So I've been watching that. I watched, I think, like the first, probably about half of the season so far. Okay. And it's it's really good. I don't know. Have you been watching Better Call Saul? No, I haven't. I watched uh, the first season. It was just so slow for me. I just, I don't know. I couldn't get into it. Um, but you did watch Breaking Bad. Yeah, like, yeah. So I love Breaking Bad. And to me, like, Better Call Saul, like... I wouldn't necessarily put it uh, above Breaking Bad. I don't think I would. Um, but man, I really like it. Mm-hmm. And I think the like the stakes aren't quite as high as in Breaking Bad. Right. But they still find. I, I think I, there's also like more humor in, in Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. And um, but I still think they do a really good job of of uh, making it suspenseful and tension filled. And I I really enjoy it. But. Okay. But yeah, I could see where it's probably does feel a li- a little more slowly paced than Breaking Bad was. Okay, gotcha. Um, you know, this is a couple weeks old, but I was wondering, did you did you see that Blue Beetle trailer? Yeah, yeah. Let's we good. we haven't really talked about. Th- see, I actually thought it didn't do much for me. I thought it looked a little cheap and a little generic for me. Oh, okay. But, but you know, it as far as the cheapness, like it was meant to be a movie that was originally going to be put just right on HBO Max rather than in theaters. So I assume their budget was smaller. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. To me, I, there was just something generic about it where I thought, I've seen this in another form before, yeah. uh, you know, or something. I don't know. I was just like, I, it didn't do much for me, but you liked it. I mean, it looked okay. I, I just mostly thought the the costume looked kind of cool to me. Oh, the, the actual Mouse costume it, itself. Yeah. I don't know. I wish I could get excited to see it, but maybe when they drop another trailer, I'll think differently. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, let's see. Uh is James Gunn really involved with this one? No, not at all. Oh. It, it was already in production well before he okay. took over. Gotcha. 
Oh, that takes a little bit away from it. <laughs> it's. I mean, I feel like any of these movies are like if they do well, he might incorporate them into things. Right. But I could also see like if this thing shits the bed, he he'll just be like, okay, not going forward. Right. Movie at all. He's he's doing his own thing somewhere. <laughs> we, we're, we're not seeing him. You know. <laughs> um. I just wanted to mention. So I've been uh, over the last couple of months. I've been playing that Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven game. You know, and because I. I like open world games, but I have a complaint, and I don't know if you've maybe noticed this in games you've played, where like, you know, game a lot of games have the RPG elements where you're like upgrading your character, you know, but the skill trees on some of these games suck. I feel like, mm-hmm. like this game, like you go to the skill tr- skill tree and it's like, oh, you can reload your gun one percent faster. I'm like, oh. it's so min- like my new. I'm like, come on, just. Give me some meaningful ones, you know? I mean, honestly, I've had that complaint with uh, NBA 2K. They used to have... You used to be able to upgrade your player, like, in my career. And, uh, you know, you you play maybe, like, 50 games or something, however many. You could upgrade them pretty well. Now you have to play so much. You have to play so many games. You have to... you, You pretty much... They pretty much make it to where you have to spend money to upgrade your player. Or else you just... It'll take forever to do it. The grind. Yeah, a lot of games do... I mean, this one, I don't think you have the ability to, to buy like that. But at the same time, like, I feel like if you're doing the side missions, which I am, like, I like games to where, like, if, if you try to just golden path it and do the main missions, like, it's really hard. But if you actually, you know, take the time to do the side missions, you feel like a badass yeah. and you become all powerful. Like, and so far, I'm not getting that in this game. And I've done a lot of side <laughs> missions and I'm like, oh, it's just like, it feels like you're up your character upgrades so slowly and I'm like, I want to feel like a badass already, yeah. you know? Uh, it just, I don't know, it's like whole like, oh, 2% this, 1% this. It's like, come on, give me something good. Yeah, I'm different from you. I don't do the side missions. I mostly just want to do the main quests and stuff and then maybe go back and do the side missions. I mean, I probably should do that just so I can get through more games. <laughs> but something about it is I don't like, I'm like, no, nah, I want to, do as many side missions as I can and get my character upgraded as best I can before I go to the next main mission, right. you know? Um, but yeah, it becomes tough when these games get overly big. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, but yeah, video game companies, better skill trees. Um, you still got to play God of War, man. I do. I, I'll, I'll wait for it to go on sale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will eventually. Yeah. Actually, like, um, eventually the God of War 2018, like, I had paid for it and played it w- way back, but eventually, like, they it did become free for a time. Yeah, I played it. Did you? Yeah, I have it. It's free. Did you play through the whole thing? Not the whole thing yet, no. But you're playing through it? Yeah. It's good, though, right? Oh, it's really good. The only thing about that game is, like, when I was playing it, like, I beat it, and then, like... I was like, I did want to go through and kind of do more of the side stuff, but then I got distracted and I never went oh. back. <laughs> Man, I remember though, like, um, there's things where like, um, in that game, where there'll be like, I don't know if it's like a dimensional rift or whatever, but you go, you hit those things and like, some of those are really hard. Like they spit out enemies. Yeah. And some of those fights, I just kept dying and dying and I'm like, well, I'm not powerful enough to beat this yet. <laughs> Yeah, they have a, those are like I think after the game, right? For the most part. Well, I think I think some of them you can do. I think they're just like if I remember right, it's been a while since I played that game, but there'll be like, you know, a black thing just like Yeah, some and, little... and you hit it and like some of them I think just give you like upgrade points or whatever, but most of them like enemies pop out and you got to fight them. And a lot of those are I found to be like really difficult. Yeah. Like I don't think 
uh, I think there's several you can do as you're going along. It's just they're like really hard. So like okay. some of them, I think, unless you're really good, you're going to have to upgrade your character and go back to them. Golly. But yeah, I never ended up going back and doing all of them. But yeah, as far as things I watched, I think that's it. So should we roll into some story time? Let's do it. All right, guys. Anybody who hasn't watched or listened, uh, we're going to go around the table here. And uh, we, we uh, scoured the internet for some hopefully wacky and entertaining stories. And uh, we'll see just uh, if we can make something fun out of those. And as tradition dictates, AJ, we usually start with you. So what do you got for us? Marathon runner caught taking a poo in stranger's garden on home doorbell video. I, I, I didn't watch the video, but I did see this headline. <laughs> a runner in this week's Boston Marathon got caught short and had to dip out for a poo in someone's garden because sometimes the call of nature is just too loud to ignore. To make the whole matter even worse, the moment was caught on camera thanks to the homeowner's doorbell cam. More than 30,000 runners took to the streets of Boston, U.S. on Monday, April 17th, to run the 26.2 miles and earn themselves a shiny medal with hours of pavement pounding ahead of them most runners would opt to use the toilet before setting off and if you do realize you need to go part way through there are portable toilets set up in route uh, however, one bloke didn't bother himself with waiting to find a proper toilet, instead slipped off the route to do a quick number one in some poor unsuspecting person's garden. In the footage, so it's, well, number one, it's supposed to be number two. I was going to say, does this, this person not know the difference between a number one and a number two? It's a UK paper. Maybe if there's poo, oh, do they got to, <laughs> it's like the metric system. Like, in our country, a number two is a number one. In the footage, spectators can be heard cheering on the runners in the background while the mystery pooper squats down in a move that deserves uh, no applause at all. <laughs> Just as he's doing his business, another man appears and walks down the path, spotting the pooper. Uh, with his pants still down around his ankles, the runner and the other fellow have an awkward standoff of sorts before the spectator eventually walks off. Probably one of the more unusual interactions he's had in his life. Uh, once he's done, the bloke simply stands up. Well, he's not. he's got nothing to wipe his ass with. Uh, and he re-enters the race through a gap in the bushes. Uh, as you can imagine, the footage has since gone viral, racking up hundreds of thousands of views, as well as attracting plenty of comments from people who can't believe that what they've just seen. FYI, he didn't wipe. In a comment on Twitter, one person said, that's disgusting as hell. Another wrote, imagine mowing the grass and like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, a third commented, if the runner was a top finisher and didn't have time to wait for a potty, I could understand. A random runner has no business doing this. Others sympathize with the runner, <laughs> with one person adding pre-workout drink and BCAAs before the run usually finally kicked in. I know how this feels. Unlucky. Someone else said, that sucks but all that nerves and caffeine they probably had to uh they probably had to take a shit but he's human after all yeah i mean uh, to be honest i feel sorry for this guy because like it just happened like when nature yeah. calls man you gotta answer the phone and that guy was gonna yeah. definitely shit his pants <laughs> yeah, and if yeah, you're in that position like what can you do like you know it's not <laughs> although can you imagine like you're a homeowner and you just go out one day and you're like somebody took a big old shit yeah <laughs> my, my first thought shit. my first thought if i would seen that is like you know wouldn't be that i would be like 
Somebody's trying to send me a message. You know? <laughs> Somebody doesn't like me. Well, one of my stupid neighbors, and they shit in my yard. <laughs> I would definitely take it personally. Okay. If I didn't know the story. All right. I mean, I, I would have been like, I, I don't know what scenario led to this. <laughs> I'd be like, what in the world? <laughs> It's unfortunate though that now like everybody has those like door cameras and stuff. So like you're gonna get caught. Like yeah. <laughs> a guy can't even take a shit in public anymore. <laughs> Man, I never under like. Do you think if you trained for a year, you could run one of these marathons? Yeah, yeah. I used to run a lot when I was younger. It just takes practice. You just gotta you know get your body in the right shape and. Just got to train your legs. But yeah. What is it? It's like something weird, like 26 point some miles or 26. something. 26.2. God, that's so much. Yeah, the guy who like first ran it was like running from like some part of Greece to Athens uh, to warn that the Persians were arriving. And so he ran 26 point. That's how the distance from there to there. I knew it had some sort of root in like mythology. Yeah. And they say he died after running it. Imagine the the disrespect, like that guy died running a marathon, and now everybody runs a marathon every year just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think he ran to marathon, I don't know, or ran from marathon, I don't know. Yeah, because marathon's a place, right? I think so, yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this guy died doing it, let's all do it. Yeah, everybody does it for fun, like every year. <laughs> Uh, well, I found this interesting, or this article interesting, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about, like, uh, you know, uh, gender identity and, like, what uh, what's masculine, what's feminine, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, these are eight feminine, feminine and masculine items that were originally um, intended for the opposite sex. Uh, number one, stockings and leggings. Stockings and leggings are strictly female clothing these days, bar some thermal or sporty causes, cases. Uh, but they used to be a man's choice of legwear. In fact, fashionable rich men have worn stockings since the 9th century. Women didn't adopt them until some 800 years later in the 18th century. Fun fact, there was a period of overlap when men didn't uh, want anything to think uh, they were wearing women's stockings. That's when the term pantyhose was invented to differentiate lady stockings from men's hose. <laughs> AJ, we should bring these back. Who like, wore the pantyhose? The men? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think they were like, uh, when it sounds like when women started wearing them, they're like, uh, they're like, no, when you wear them, they're pantyhose. When we wear them, they're stockings or something like that. <laughs> We should bring these back. We will start wearing them and be like, we're rich men. We wear like little swords and stuff, <laughs> like Robin Hood. We should like start dressing like Southern Dandy. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two, wristwatches. A Rolex is often taken as a sign of, successful, of a successful man. But back in the day, wristwatches were strictly for women. Up until World War I, men considered wristwatches to be dainty feminine accessories comparable to jewelry. Any self-respecting man would wear a pocket watch instead. But the horrifying conditions of the trenches made pocket watches very impractical. All it took was the worst uh, war humanity had seen to date, uh, to date to convince men to start wearing their watches on their... Uh, it says watches. I think they mean wrist. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I guess I could see that. My dad still likes pocket watches. I mean, I think he wears watches too, but he has—he definitely has a couple pocket watches. It's weird what people decided was masculine and feminine. Like, 
watches versus pocket watches. Like that seems like a strange thing to like decipher one being masculine, one being feminine. You know what I also think are funny is like um the old guys that would wear the the sock garters with the like oh, the yeah. little clips to hold their socks up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anybody still does. <laughs> Um, number three, thongs. Those sexy little G-strings. Yeah, those were originally men's underwear. Oh, no. <laughs> Granted, the original thong... Split your balls in half. <laughs> <laughs> ...worn in places like Egypt, Greece, and Japan wasn't quite as dainty as its modern equivalent, yet they left the wearer's butt cheeks exposed all the same. Women's thong, on the other hand, was born in 1939, at least according to one story. During the New York World uh, Trade Fair, the city's mayor ordered female nude dancers to cover up their shame. So they pulled on G-strings so they could still shake their booty for the audience. So even in 1939, they had nude nude dancers? I guess so. I guess they've they've always had some sort of nudity. Probably in certain places. Uh, Number four, crop tops. Um, see a man wearing a crop top today and many people immediately assume he has some feminine qualities. Yet in the 80s and early 90s, they were the peak of masculinity. Crop tops were born in the locker rooms of top American football players. You can get much, you can't get much manlier than that. Yet by the mid-90s, most men had decided that they didn't want to flaunt their stomachs and women took over crop tops. Maybe the guys just didn't want to put in the effort to build the kind of six-pack, uh, to pull the six pack look off, I mean, I feel like there's still guys that do yeah. try this look, but I guess it's not as popular as it was in that time period. The '80s, it was like very popular. Yeah, if you, especially like if you watch like certain movies and TV shows from that time period, you'll yeah, see it a lot for sure. You know what? Also, I think is funny is like um, '80s movies, especially a lot of like the douchey villain types will wear like the uh, the sweater with like the arms wrapped around yeah, his neck yeah. and stuff like that you know mm. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it was like that definitely spells douche in those <laughs> um oh number five high heels high heels are probably one of the most feminine articles of clothing in existence yet they were originally worn uh by burly persian soldiers the high heels allowed cavalry warriors to lock their feet into their stirrups making it easier to stay in the saddle during the fighting a few hundred years later, 17th century French gentlemen adopted high heels as one of the most fashionable things to wear. Women didn't start wearing high heels until their uh, skirt hem started slowly getting shorter. The heels made their feet seem smaller and their calves look more toned. By the 18th century, men uh, dumped heels altogether. I mean, I guess was, if you're riding a horse at the time, people probably can't really... <laughs> It probably doesn't look as weird as just yeah. seeing a guy in high heels. Yeah, he's not actually like walking around on him. <laughs> Still now, uh, according to this article, you know, we could put on stockings and high heels <laughs> and be as manly as we want to be. <laughs> I'm sure they'll get to wigs too. <laughs> uh, number six, Old Spice. Old Spice had a whole ad campaign built around the slogan, Smell Like a Man, which is ironic because the first Old Spice product was for women. Launched in 1937, early American Old Spice was a woman's scent, inspired by the potpourri uh, its investors' mother wore. The first men's Old Spice scent came in the following year. It must have sold better. Does Old Spice even have a single women's scent or deodorant these days? I mean, I don't even know. They might, but... I don't know. It, it definitely, like, the... Modern day marketing, I know, is more towards men. Yeah, I always think of them as a men's brand. Uh, number seven, makeup. 
No. Man, women stole everything from men. <laughs> <laughs> now, it would be unfair to say that women of old didn't wear makeup. They absolutely did. But lipstick, powder, and eyeliner didn't used to be as strongly associated with women as they are today. Ancient Egyptian pharaohs wore thick eyeliner and lipstick, both to show off their wealth and to make themselves look like uh, gods Horus and Ra. Roman men used red pigments to add a blush to their cheeks and painted their nails, while many gentlemen in 17th and 18th century England and France inadvertently killed themselves with ghostly pale lead-based face powder. Mm. <laughs> Not the best way to do it. <laughs> Men didn't stop dolling up their faces until the 19th century, when Queen Victoria and the Church of England began to disapprove of the practice. Yet they didn't manage to kill male makeup off completely. The male sections of the makeup aisles might be small, but they're still there. I mean, plenty of guys still use makeup. I think there's never been a time where guys weren't wearing makeup. There's Guys have always done it. Are there a lot of straight guys wearing makeup, though? Yeah, yeah. Even like today, there's a lot of straight guys who wear makeup. They just don't talk about it. I, I guess I don't even notice. I mean, like, I know, like, TV guys and stuff put on, like, the basic stuff to, like, so they pop on camera and yeah. stuff. But, like... Like, my sister said, like, she'd be in high school when she was younger, and they'd be, like, you know, guys, like, hey, can I borrow your makeup? I want to touch up something, like... Really? Yeah. I guess I'm a basic-ass bitch. I've never... <laughs> Maybe I should look in the... So, okay, we need stockings, high heels, and makeup, and we'll be the manliest men on the block. <laughs> and then, finally, number eight, the Ford Mustang. Ah, Ford Mustang, what young man doesn't want to show off driving such a badass masculine muscle car? But when the Mustang was first introduced in the mid-60s, Ford marketed it to women. With a large trunk that could hold plenty of groceries, Ford, Ford called the car the sweetheart of the supermarket set. The manufacturer even carefully picked the red color of the original Mustangs to match popular lipstick tones at the time. Even today, the Mustang is one of the most popular sports cars among women. Hmm, I did not know that. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if any of these, are any of these, like, super surprising to you? I mean, I guess, like, I never saw, like, any historical things of men wearing the stockings. <laughs> yeah, I never saw that. I, I thought wigs would definitely be up there, because I know men, like, used to wear those because to hide their syphilis. <laughs> yeah, the old powder wigs. Yeah. <laughs> it would be fun to rock some powdered wigs somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so ridiculous. <laughs> Rocking powdered wigs and stockings and high heels. <laughs> People would definitely think we were a drag, but they were, we would just be the manliest men. They don't know it. That's true. It's like yeah. I'm just like cosplay cosplaying as like Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like banning drag shows and everything. We're like we're basically banning our forefathers. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's like those all those people that argue, argue like, what would our forefathers yeah, have wanted? And they it's like, well, maybe right they would have been into this. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, they would have been into this a little bit. Um, all right, AJ, I'll send it back to you. All right. Inside the quietest place on earth where you can hear your own organs. The world's quietest room might sound like a pretty relaxing place, but it's actually so silent that most people can't stand to be in it for more than a few minutes. The anechoic test chamber at Orfield Laboratories in Minneapolis, Minnesota, is officially the quietest place on Earth and has got itself the Guinness World Record to prove it. The specially created chamber absorbs around 99.9% .9 of sound and is mainly used for conducting experiments, although it has become quite a bit of an unlikely tourist spot with people keen to check it out for themselves. Uh, 
To give you some context, your average room measures around 30 decibels at night, whereas the lab drops to negative 24.9 decibels, uh, according to the Guinness World Records. Uh, design- this is how stupid I am. I was like, how can like a noise level be negative? That's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know conceptually what that means. <laughs> Designed by Stefan Orfield, the area comprises a large masonry and concrete chamber with a smaller steel chamber supported on vibration absorbing springs inside that. Inside that. Um, inside this second space, the interior walls are lined with a layer of heavy insulation covered with fiberglass wedges or glass fiber wedges. Uh, the room is so quiet that people struggle to spend more than a few minutes inside before the lack of noise starts to affect them. We challenge people to sit in the chamber in the dark, said Orfield. When it's quiet, ears will adapt. The quieter the room, the more things you hear. Uh, you'll hear your heart beating. Sometimes you can hear your lungs. Sometimes your stomach gurgling loudly. Well, that sounds absolutely horrible, doesn't it? Orfield said in 2018 that he managed to stay inside for an impressive 45 minutes, but went into detail. I have a mechanical heart valve. I can always hear it clearly. Uh, But that certainly doesn't seem to put people off. In the same interview, Orfield revealed, we get thousands of requests. Members of the public visit from around the world almost every week, and they are just as, uh, they are just about always excited uh, by the experience. Uh, there's no skeptical reaction as this is simply a bodily experience and there's nothing to learn or believe. The lab has opened itself up to visitors, meaning anyone who fancies an extreme bit of peace and quiet is free to check it out themselves, but it's not cheap. A visit to the room will set you back $600 per hour per person. And you know, there's this whole, you'll become the sound thing to put up with too. So like you become the sound because your body and everything starts making noise <laughs> or you can hear the noise. I don't know. Yeah. I'd probably go crazy after a few minutes. <laughs> I was just thinking like, how is it like $600 an hour? That sounds like a whorehouse. <laughs> yeah. That is a total ripoff. Like they're really charging people for their curiosity. And <laughs> like, I wonder what silence sounds like. <laughs> Here's $600 for that. You ever get like where you're like, maybe like ears get weird and you can like, kind of feel your heartbeat like in your head almost yeah. mm-hmm. um i was thinking though like these sounds like i i don't think i've ever heard my lungs but you know i've definitely like you know from that heard my heartbeat or like heard my stomach like gargling and stuff like that so maybe not as intensely as you could in this room but yeah i mean i definitely didn't like those sounds when i heard them before too like i had an ultrasound of my heart i think or like it just sounds terrible <laughs> Oh, yeah, I had to have that done when I was in the hospital this last time. And, like, yeah, that is weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's not something I want to hear. The heart sounds like it's just, it could mess up any second. It does. Like, I'm almost, like, from an evolutionary standpoint, I'm, like, I feel like we'd be better off with a system that didn't require this thing always pumping us, you know? It's so fragile. It really is. And then that's ultimately what kills most people. Yeah. It's doing such heavy lifting, and it can't keep doing that for all this time. We need, like, two hearts. <laughs> I know. It's like, there's got to be a better way, evolution. <laughs> yeah. Why do we even need the hearts and blood and all this stuff? <laughs> Man, wasn't it always embarrassing in, like, school, like a quiet classroom, like when your stomach won't stop, like, oh, gargling? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
That was always the worst. I know. <laughs> and I would always skip breakfast, so my stomach would always be gargling in the morning. It was just insane. Are you still like that as an adult, <clears throat> like where you don't eat breakfast? Yeah, I don't know. Breakfast just doesn't sit right with me. It just makes me feel kind of weird. It's weird because I was just listening to a podcast where people were talking about this, and like some of them were like that, where they're like, they never feel like eating. And then like the woman on there was like, says like she wakes up just like starving and and i'm i'm kind of like her like i'm always like starving when i wake up and i'm yeah. like breakfast time breakfast time and so it just it always seemed weird to me that there's people that are like yeah i'm not hungry yeah i'm, I'm gonna wait hours <laughs> yeah i could definitely wait hours i i usually don't eat till the afternoon i honestly i usually feel like a little nauseous until i eat something in the morning it's i don't know maybe there's something wrong with me no uh, i mean i think it's normal i i'd feel nauseous in the morning too sometimes but even still, like, I don't know, eating just doesn't appeal to me sometimes. In fact, I'm even like, if I had plans to like uh, go to a restaurant, I would probably still eat just a little something something before I left the house just to calm my stomach down. Oh, okay. I don't know. I heard like eating breakfast helps you lose weight. Like in the, in overall in a year, you gain like 10 to 18 pounds by skipping breakfast. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's, that's interesting. Like... I have always wondered about metabolism. Like, I, I don't think always, like, starving yourself is good for metabolism. Right, right. I mean, especially <clears throat> if you do that, you'll lose weight at first, but then you'll gain it right back. It'll it'll stick to you when you, you know, start eating again. I have heard, though, that, like, if you do, like, intense cardio, like, before you eat, mm -hmm. like, that'll burn more calories. But to me, I'm like, I could, I could never even think about doing it. Well, not only because my work schedule, but even if I wasn't working, like, <clears throat> I just don't think I could, I think I would throw up if I tried work, a heavy workout before yeah, eating. Something. After working out, you don't really feel like eating that much. You feel like eating healthy, like a salad or something. That's how I feel. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard that too. Like eat chocolate cake or eat whatever you want after working out. I think that's more true of like lifting weights. Like I think, your something about like lean muscle like helps burn off more fat than like just doing cardio itself. Yeah, you might be right. Cause like <clears throat> I I feel like I do quite. I usually do like an hour of cardio like every other day, and like my diet's not the best, but like I, I'm mostly just maintain my weight. I don't like you know. Yeah. I'm not losing anything. Right. Right. Yeah, that happened to me too. Like. uh I, I started doing uh I lost recently like seventy five pounds or so. Wow, that's like that's well, not good. very recently, but over the course of a year. Still, that's really good. Yeah, and uh, I've been you know walking and but I've I plateaued too. You know, like uh, even though the, I've been eating less and stuff, I've plateaued. Like cardio can only take you so far. I think you know, like you do have to start building up the muscle and toning it up and stuff. Yeah, let's let's see. I like. I have like some stories of them. I have one, but I'm like, man, it's depressing. I don't know if I, want to do <laughs> if I do a depressing story. Do you get something happy we can go out on? Um, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me let me see if I get a better one here. Okay, this one's a little silly. Um, well, maybe at least not the right road <laughs> word, maybe gross. Um, first cousins announced they were dating by posting a photo of them kissing in a family Facebook group. Oh no. <laughs> first cousins. <laughs> oh, 
Love can be an all-encompassing emotion that can drive us to do wild or even reckless things. And it's these intense uh, corner pockets of romance that are explored by Prime Video's Extreme Love. One couple who featured on the show put everything at risk for love, including possible criminal charges and dangerous genetic issues uh, for their children. Utah couple Michael Lee and Angela... Oh, Utah. <laughs> yeah. Michael Lee and Angela Pang are called the kissing cousins because that's quite literally what they are. They're first cousins who decided to get freaky with each other, and they revealed their secret love to their family in a pretty wild way, sharing a picture of the two of them ro- uh, ramming their tongues down each other's throats on a relative-run uh, Facebook group. Wonder what grandma made of it all. Oh, and we do uh, mean the one grandma. They share the same one after all. Well, their family didn't take <laughs> take it that well. They were shocked and horrified. Their family. <laughs> <laughs> they were shocked and horrified, Michael told Extreme Love. Looking at the picture they shared, uh, we can see why. Uh, anyway, these canoodling cousins grew up in Utah and were close as kids. Obviously, a little too close. Michael told, told Prime Video TV sh- show about a time in primary school when he and Angela slow danced together in a closet. Uh, oh, and there was the time their parents, who are brother and sister, found them poshing. I think this is like a British article. I'm guessing that means kissing. Um, the two were kept apart after that. But the pair reconnected at a family reunion. Both Angela and Michael were married to other people, but split with their partners before rekindling their whole kissing cousins uh, thing. The two raunchy relatives reunited at a family reunion, which led them to throw caution as well as their morals and respect for genetics to the wind. Their family has shunned their relationship, and people on social media haven't uh, been too open to the whole thing either. One user said uh, the way that they came out to the family was so disrespectful, adding insult to injury. A second added, I feel bad for their future kid. He or she doesn't deserve what's coming for them. A third commented, they look like the male and female versions of each other. It's like having a crush on your own reflection, but uh, opposite gender. Self-admiration much? Yeah, you can definitely see the resemblance. (laughs) The couple has since married, but not in their home state of Utah, as their wedding would be considered incest by law. So they jumped across state lines to Colorado, where it's legal. Wow, Colorado has more lax laws than Utah? I was going to say, if I thought one of those states uh, it was legal, it would be Utah. <laughs> um, since the documentary, the couple has had two children together who seem to be fine and healthy, which is lucky as their shared genetic material actually doubles the risk of serious birth defects yeah. for the children, the Guardian reports. Uh Michael passed away in 2021 after the couple shared their story, wedding, and uh, two children with the world. So Angela is now a single mother of the two chil- children. AJ, you can oh, step in. I don't think I look like her enough. <laughs> <laughs> She's looking for doppelgangers. <laughs> you think there's another cousin in the family that's like, oh, now I have a shot. Well, does she have a sibling? <laughs> <laughs> step her game up. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. So, like, you would think if two first cousins, like, did fall for each other like this, like, why would you post a photo like this to the Facebook group and be like, here it is, just, like, as graphic as can be? Like, wouldn't you at least have some shame and be like, you know, okay, we're seeing each other, but we don't want to, like... No, they stuck their ass out. They really did. They really put it out there on on Front Street. Uh, I think it was just like, 
let's just get it over with, you know, whatever everybody's going to say, they're going to say it. So they just made it the worst possible thing they could have possibly done and took a picture of them making out. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but like, let's say you were dating a woman, you get, you guys fell in love, maybe you got married or maybe you just been together a long time. And then just for fun, you guys try to decide to do one of those like 23 and me or whatever tests. Oh. And it turns out you find unbeknownst to yourselves that you were like related. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is there like a, a degree of related where you'd be maybe like, ah, it just is what it is to it like a degree where you're like uh now it's too much <laughs> like let's say you found out like you were like you know s- second or third cousins compared to like first cousins yeah. uh i think second is still close third is like it's it still makes me feel uncomfortable like right i'd, I'd still be like i think yeah as, as long as i can call them a cousin you know it just doesn't I don't think I can. It, it just changes your mindset completely. You know, you can't think of them as a possible lover anymore. It, it, yeah, I couldn't. Now, what if, like, let's say, like, you fell in love with this person, thought they were your soulmate, you actually got married, no kids yet, but you're married, and then you find out your first cousins. Ooh. Like, would you just be like, we have to end it, or would you be like, okay, let's stay together but not have kids? <laughs> no, you'd have to end it. But, like, that would be so rare to, like, end up with your first cousin and not know it. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I assume things like that can happen. Yeah. Just, like, you know. Like, displaced people. who like That, or, like, maybe, like, the, the parents, like, those siblings don't get along. So, they're, like, you never knew this yeah. particular side of your family or whatever, you know. I could see, I could see it happening. Yeah. There's, this kind of reminds me of this crazy case that happened recently. I think it was in, I don't know if it was Florida or somewhere here in, somewhere in America. Um, this father, he, he had adopted off his daughter. Like, you know, she, she grew up somewhere else. But then when she turned like 20, 22, she like, uh, met her parents for the first time, her biological parents. She got into a sexual relationship with her father and then like she broke it off and he got jealous and killed her. And, like, a, a few other people, too. Like, it was, it's just <laughs> the weirdest, wildest thing. I don't know how that happens, man. <laughs> that mentality. You know, I saw, like, um, it, w- it was on, like, a cheesy talk show once. Like, I don't think it was Jerry Springer, but, like, uh, one of maybe the slightly more credible ones. But, you know, who yeah. knows? But it was, like, this story of, um, I think they were half-siblings. And, like, they didn't grow up together, but they met each other later in life, and they fell in love with each other and started fooling around or whatever. But I've heard that that's actually, like, something uh, – not an isolated thing. Like, supposedly that's something that, that has happened a lot. Like, I was talking to Lester about it, and I think he, like, saw something about it to where, like, it's something that's happened multiple times where, like, you know, half-siblings, like, meet each other as adults. And, like, there's something there, like, where they – I don't know. It just, it seems it's so counterintuitive. Like, you would think there'd be some sort of design of the body to, right. like, to make you think, like, this is, something's not right about this. I think we want to believe that. Yeah. But just because, like, from an out, like, we know it's gross. Yeah. But then, like, I don't know. Apparently, there's something there. Man, you know, I do wonder, like, 
I, I always like fantasize about living in like caveman times, like back in like when the earth was pristine. Like, granted, I'd be dead at like twenty, maybe. <laughs> but uh, it just seems like such a, a unique, you know, interesting time. Like everything was so I don't know, just so pristine. And and you think about what life was like back then. Like they lived in these small little tribes. I'm pretty sure, like, half the kids, if not more, were, like, inbred and, like, messed up. Yeah, you do kind of wonder, like, how did we ever, like, finally break out of that? Because yeah. for a time, there had to be, like, so much incest. In yeah. Like, it would have been hard to even, like, evolve. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it happened. Like, we must be inbred, like, crazy to some extent. Like, you know, but then... We worked our way out of it. And that's like, I feel like if we never grew our population enough, we probably would have like imploded from incest and stuff. <laughs> you know what I always think? Because I, I sometimes, <clears throat> I wouldn't say I fantasize about being in a caveman because it's probably a terrible life. Yeah. <clears throat> but I do kind of wonder, the thing I, I wonder about is like, you know, it, it would have been terrible from a standpoint of, like, it would have just been so easy to die, like, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, like, you would always had to have kind of that survival mindset yeah. all the time. But at the same time, those people would have always been living in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of wonder, were they happier than us? Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they, uh, they would have always just been present yeah. in the moment, like, you know, living for the next meal hunting like they probably all would have been in good shape because they had to be and also like i also think like history and education all this stuff like it alters your mind like back then they didn't have anything to like work off of exactly it was just like okay this is what it is so like you know that that altered their, their way of thinking too you know yeah like, it, it does make it interesting like granted like you know i think I value my education. I value like, you know, being able to survive in this day and age. But at the same time, it's like, what would it have been like if somebody hadn't like, you know, put all these thoughts in your head and you yeah. had just experienced it all on your own, you know? Yeah. I'm, I also like, this is kind of de depressing, but like, I'm always been attractive to like, <clears throat> you know, like the idea of like uh, certain sci-fi where it's like, Oh, kind of like the matrix where like, the world we're in isn't the real world, you know? Oh, yeah. And just this idea of escapism. And I'm like, it would be nice not to always crave like some sort of escapism, like entertainment and just be like, I'm present in the world and yeah. like, this feels like enough, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder about that too. Like what is the ideal lifestyle for humans? Like for yeah. us? Yeah. We've been around for like 300,000 years and life has changed so much in that time. And now we're at the point where like, I think we're living like such a altered lifestyle that it's not conducive to like humanity and like how we're supposed to be. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I, I do wonder what the golden age was for humanity. I even kind of wonder, like imagine the Matrix was real and we could basically... Almost like a video game, we could like basically like create or visit any reality we really wanted to. You mm -hmm. know, we could like go into a realistic like Star Wars simulation mm -hmm. if we wanted to. You know, right. uh, obviously it wouldn't kill us or whatever. But right. um, would even that make us happy? Yeah, I think 
I think happiness is one of those things that you're you have it for like a second. It's fleeting, you know. Like, yeah. It, there always has to be some sort of trigger to like make it happen. And once it's been triggered, you have the effect for a little while, but then it goes away. You know. So I think you constantly need to be uh, stimulated. Yeah, that's the thing. But I almost feel like I'm like constantly like you know through tv video games comics whatever you know stimulating my mind and like escaping in my mind to these different realities and stuff but it's like after a while it's like well that's not very satisfying either so it's like i don't know it's like how do you become satisfied in the the real world you know right right i don't think it's possible i don't i think like when you look at the richest people and everything like nobody's satisfied so i mean i just don't think there's a way to like really be fully happy like you know i know that's the really like <laughs> and that's to go back to the caveman thing i'm like maybe they were happier than us yeah they didn't that, have to think about this stuff for that little time that they were alive like even like we add drama you know in this in this world in our lives you know like yeah because most of our world is boring so yeah. we, we need to fill it with right stories so back then like if somebody died it wasn't like i'm sure they thought about like yeah I, I grew up with this person i love this person everything i'm sure that mattered but at the same time i'm sure they were also like all right what now <laughs> yeah you know uh, yeah it's such a fascinating question and we got here by thinking about cousin fucking. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are uh, over time. Uh, do you want to wrap things up? Yeah, sure. All right. Well, guys, we hope everybody enjoyed uh, the show today. We certainly did. Uh, if you will, please uh, subscribe both to the YouTube channel and to the podcast on your podcast service of choice. Um, give us thumbs up. Uh, uh, we do appreciate comments. Please, please, please comment. And uh, you can also come over uh, on Twitter. Um, AJ, should we buy uh, blue check marks on Twitter now? <laughs> we can we'd, become verified. We'd be a joke to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Even the people who are verified are like, I'm not trying to be verified. Yeah, apparently, like, <laughs> so, like people with over like a million followers, like Elon, just like left them the blue check mark or some, <laughs> something weird i don't know uh, but anyway uh, where can people find you on twitter if they want to at a name for this too and that's the number two and you can find me at zach jones live that's z-a-c-h-j-o-n-e-s-l-i-v-e and that is going to do it for all of our shenanigans and poppycock this week please 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 tune in again next week bye guys take care